0: Don't let another challenging conversation leave you second guessing. Click the link in the description to discover how we can help you find confidence in conflict, negotiate better deals, and have stronger relationships because in the world of business, every conversation counts. And now, without further ado, let's jump into the interview. Yuri, thanks for joining us today, my friend.
1: I mean, thank you so much for for having me on. Really excited to have this conversation. Yeah, it's my
0: pleasure. So how would you get us started by telling us a little bit about yourself and what you do?
1: Sure. My name is Yuri Krumen, and uh, I do um, HR consulting. That's my main gig. And then on the side, I also do executive coaching. Usually I big those in um, together in my engagements. Um, I go into fast growth companies um, to really help them to grow and scale and to do that the right way by getting their people strategy right and building up systems, but most importantly, coaching their people. Right, helping them to get good feedback, helping them to understand where they're going in their career pathway, and then also doing learning and development, because in a way, that's the most valuable thing they can get from their work. And then aside from that, I also write a great deal for outlets like uh, Forbes Entrepreneur. I just uh, joined uh, Newsweek and Fast Company as well. And I uh, just put out a book, which we'll probably touch upon, uh, Be Your Own Commander-in-Chief. And aside from that, I do keynote speaking and, you know, just general tomfoolery whatever comes down the pipe
0: <laughs> fantastic that is great uh, kudos to you on, on the book and all of the writing i think it's, it's fair to say that you are prolific at this point so um everybody we will have links to the book and um links to your different outlets uh in the description below so we're excited to share those resources and um today this is going to be a great discussion and i know from our pre-interview chat that this is going to be a lot of fun because we're going to talk about the impact of bias on negotiation but not just what it does but what you can actually do about it i think this is fantastic and so the the three main topics that we're going to focus on today are first understanding the importance of language and we're not just talking about the external language we're also talking about internally our internal dialogue which is fascinating the next thing is recognizing your biases and then how you can actually fix them and why it's important to fix them and then lastly Understanding the importance of managing expectations. All right, Yuri, so
1: let's talk about the importance of language. Where should we start? I think uh, for me, there's a very simple way to look at this subject. In in Hebrew, so I'm Jewish, so for me, that's one, one place to start. If you look in the Old Testament, the the word for word and the word for thing in Hebrew is dava. Which is, you know, seems like a just a word. But if you if you think about it, word and thing are the same thing. So what you say, what you formulate, becomes a thing. When you speak, you create. When God spoke, He made the world, or made in God's image. So when we speak, we create reality. Now, when we speak, we're not just speaking to other people; we're speaking to ourselves as well. Because imagine, you know, maybe a lot of people don't think about it this way, but we have internal dialogue. I'm like, well, yeah, yeah, okay, that's like, that's very fungible. Sometimes I believe that, sometimes I don't. Sometimes it's stress, sometimes it's, you know, whatever. I'm excited about something. It's exactly the same thing. In fact, if you look at neuroscience research, you can see very quickly that you have mirror neurons, meaning when you see a person, there's a unique neuron, imagine this, one unique neuron that lights up based on you seeing a person that you know, right? And imagine how that works with language. It's the same idea with specific words, specific context, you know, concepts, um, a particular context, different systems work when you speak different languages. In fact, um, I remember seeing a, a, an Atlantic article about this uh, maybe three, four years ago, Apparently, we're different people in, in just the neuroscientific sense when we speak different languages, right? So imagine what that does inside our head, whether we speak different languages to ourselves, which that would be pretty interesting, or if, if we just look at the way we talk to ourselves about ourselves, but also about other people, right? So this, this kind of has correlates out in the world. So how do I talk about myself? I am my LinkedIn tagline, or I am my profession, or I am my bank account size. This is New York, right? This is just the unfortunate reality. Um, Or, you know, if you're out in the Midwest, it might be, you know, I'm a, I don't know, I'm just, you know, I run a store, or I have a farm, or, you know, I breed horses, whatever. God bless. I grew up in Kentucky. Okay? Okay. But in, inside our heads, like, well, I'm a, you know, it could be, I'm a good for nothing. Um, I didn't go to this school. Who am I to speak up, right? We have all these doubts of all this, all these ways that we almost like we, we kind of whip ourselves and we harm ourselves, right? And the problem is we essentially internalize the feedback from other people onto ourselves, right? That's from childhood when we're impressionable, we're kids, you know, when we're adults, we take all that baggage with us and we continue the same habits. Okay, I'm, I'm, I'm not good, I'm this or that, or we overreact to that because, let's say, I, you know, you want to overcompensate. So I was very, you know, I don't know, I was very introverted as a kid and now I'm on Wall Street and now I have to go prove to everyone that I'm, you know, the, the whatever, the hottest thing uh, in town. So all, all of this kind of stuff, there's a constant back and forth between what we have inside our head what we project, what we take in, right? So, if you think, if you want to think about it like a cellular membrane, right? I'm someone who grew up with, <laughs> with science in the house, to to scientist parents. Think about a cellular membrane. So you have two, two parts to it, right? And essentially, you have holes in there that are for receptors, and the receptors can open up or close, depending on the signal. So, you want to send something through. It's sugar, um, sodium. You know, it's some kind of neurotransmitter. Something has to activate this thing, so it might be, you know, in, in, when we're talking about language and psychology, it's words, it's triggers, right? So something triggers this to open up, and I let it in. I internalize it. It makes it makes me think that I am that which I've been called, right? And the same vice versa. We find a way to call something like, you know, um, I don't know. I'm um, like you, you have trouble, sort of. What 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 I coach about, right? People have trouble. Um, synthesizing their story you know it's just like well i'm my linkedin tagline no you're much more than that right what's in your closet full of baggage like who are you really what trauma do you have let's bring that to the table and let's make sense of it right it's it's a map with different points on it so how do we connect that how do we give you a sense of your your purpose your mission right and once you have some words around that suddenly you you put it out in the world and that's you keep doing it and you keep doing it and it reinforces how you feel about yourself, how others feel about you. And there's this, this cycle, right? What you take in from the outside, inside, and what you project from the inside to the outside. And that's how you circulate either in a vicious cycle, if you're in the wrong place, or in a virtuous cycle. So with that said, right, we're, we're starting to see kind of this interplay between internal language and external language. And when we're talking about biases, so the interesting thing is, um, we live in a time where conversations about bias are, are front and center. They're, they're right here, right in your face, right? They're in the news, they're in universities, they're you know talking about HR circles. Obviously that's a big that's a big topic of conversation. It usually comes up in you know, diversity, equity, inclusion, et cetera, right And that means we need more representation, et cetera. Great. That's an incredibly important and timely subject. But no less important is to understand, biases against yourself
0: hello my friends before we get back to today's episode i want to ask you a question A promise of a guaranteed retirement paycheck for life. A promise that pays off. Learn more at TIAA.org backslash promises pay
1: off. Right. A lot of biases we have about other people are reflections of biases we have about ourselves. So if you think about just growing up, right, we grow up as kids not all of us have the uh, opportunity to, let's say, live in New York City and be exposed to, you know, hundreds of cultures and languages and cuisines and all of that stuff. Right. And that's that's great. Right. As as people who look at cosmopolitanism in, in a positive light, because, you know, we came from other countries or cultures to America and you know, we're in the melting pot. But not everyone has that opportunity. I mean, obviously around the world, most people stay very close to where they grew up and with the culture that they know. So when something different comes along, they tend to project either things that they've heard from their parents, the inputs, right, from their culture, their language, their family, and they tend to project them onto other people. And it's not to take away anything from, you know, fault in maybe not educating yourself, but this is the way of the world for the most part, except in large cities. Okay. So let's say you have the bias that you project onto other people but what about the opposite as well right people are are notorious for seeking shortcuts right our brain is a shortcut machine for making the most we can of limited information and trying to deduce level of risk with that limited information and unfortunately, our our wiring is such that fight or flight, you know, usually unfortunate things happen when we meet someone from a totally different place or culture when we are not exposed to that. So again, it's I'm not taking anything away from the larger, uh, you know, sort of context of the conversation. But the essence is that this bias um, process is also, it's a cycle, right? So let's say you're very open to other people. Like I, I grew up, thing got very open to other people because you know, being in an academic town, you meet people from all over the world. Lived in New York, lived in Philly. College was like, wow, all these people from all over the world, right? But about myself, I I just was like, well, okay, but who am I? What am I? Like I'm just going along. I'm trying to make I don't know my mom happy. God bless my mom. It's it's not her fault, right? But. I was like thinking I have to do MD PhD. My grandparents are both doctors. My mom is a PhD. Like I I have to do that because it's like that's what you do when you're a Russian Jewish immigrant and that's that's your family background. So it wasn't about me. It was always about you know other people. Wow, interesting, cool. But I never I never sort of cognized the the variety and interesting things inside my own head. I didn't have the words for it. I didn't create that inner reality until much later when I had the language for it, when I had the the concepts from psychology and and other languages and cultures to really crystallize my thoughts. To bring all of that around, I had biases against myself because I I did not have a way to express what I thought about myself or who I am or where I'm going, who am I serving, and all of these kinds of things. So I didn't have mild, mild posts, if you will. I didn't have reference points. I had to create those from scratch. Um, so what does that have to do with biases? So actually, the longest uh, chapter in my book, by a long shot, is about biases and notions, right? So the biases, you know, you have everything from a Dunning-Kruger effect to select, selectivity bias and, you know, 150 plus others. So there's, there are all of these different shortcuts that our brain takes. It's not just about other people and meeting, you know, like gauging risk and understanding danger, right? It's also about ourselves. Our wiring, again, is such that, unfortunately, unless we condition our brain to regularly enter a higher cognitive state where it's not about fear, it's not about fight or flight, it's not about the lizard brain, we, we unfortunately tend to, to just get stuck, right? So life, in a way, is all about, you know, why do you need, let's say, to, to stay healthy? Or why do you need the right mental models, Why do you need to be good in dealing with other people? It's so that you can regularly enter a higher cognitive state. And in that higher cognitive state, you can free yourself from all of these limitations of your biases and notions and background and language and inability to express, right? You you start formulating certain higher level concepts that give you reference points, okay? And that in turn is what helps you to free yourself to, first of all, understand what your biases are. And secondly, to start freeing yourself from
0: them. Yeah, this makes so much sense. And, and I think one of the things that is easy for people to overlook that you hit is the fact that words have power. Words have power to create and we often as negotiators and people who are having these difficult conversation leaders whatever it is that brought people to this podcast we often think about it in terms of what do i need to say what words do i need to speak externally to receive the outcomes and the results that i'm looking for but what you're saying is that that's just a the surface level part because oftentimes what we're saying is nothing more than a, an external manifestation of our internal dialogue and so really if we're Want to focus on improving our skills as a negotiator, we have to go through this introspective process to see how we're talking to ourselves, how we're describing the situation, how we see ourselves too, because that's going to dictate how we express ourselves in the external world. And then that is going to dictate the feedback that the world gives to us.
1: Exactly. So actually, it's it's very interesting that negotiation is, is a particularly good construct and context in which to analyze the distance between action and reaction right which is after all the whole point of human behavior if we're supposed to be so highly evolved then why do you know so many of us so often just kind of you know stimulus response stimulus response we just like what are we just a pass-through entity right so negotiation gives us that ability provided we do it well to take time take a pause and say okay here's the action here's the offer and before I formulate you know uh, a way to answer that offer with some kind of revised terms I want to really understand what are their goals what are my goals where can we meet in the middle how can we create a win-win and you know what is it that we can build here for the long term this doesn't have to be just a single transaction right and that kind of just taking pause again entering into a higher cognitive level where we're not dwelling in the lizard brain it's not like like how dare you this and that we say okay i I get it thank you for your offer we will consider it we will get back to you okay what that does just like in any essentially in any human behavior right it's all about here's the action what's your reaction most people don't really get that second part that you can you can choose you're not you're not an automaton you're not an animal right that's what distinguishes from animals. We have that ability to decide what is the reaction. Absolutely. Yeah.
0: And, and here's the thing. It, it goes back to what you said earlier um, about the, the value of mental models. So replicable systems that we have in our minds that help us to make better decisions. Yep. And I, when you talk about accessing that that higher level of thinking. It makes a lot of sense. And I know a lot of people are gonna say, yes, that makes sense. But when I'm livid, when I'm frustrated, when I'm disappointed, all of those things, now I'm responding with the, the lizard brain. Now it is the base level of my humanity that's taking over. And so in the midst of this interaction, how do you access that higher level thinking in order to put this mental model into action?
1: This may sound funny, but it's it's really all about gamification. You know, this this has to be a game that you play with yourself. It's not a game you play with anyone else. You're not negotiating because, you know, your fee size is bigger than that guy's like, okay, whatever. Right? You're competing with yourself. And that's that's kind of the most important takeaway, right? One of the reasons why it's called Be Your Own Commander in Chief is because in the end, what matters? It's it's your own internal reference points, right? How are you doing against your own potential? That's the only thing that really matters about your peak performance, so to speak, right? I mean, I'm not gonna go play for the NBA tomorrow, right? I mean <laughs> I'm thirty seven, I'm probably, you know, overweight and I don't know if that my basketball skills are that great to begin with, right? So but it's fine. I don't need to do that in order to be, you know, impactful or to live a meaningful life or to have clarity in my life or frankly to have success. I mean, there are so many other models outside of looking left at this guy, right at, at that one and saying, well, no, everyone has their particular modalities that they're born with that They're given you know, as gifts, other things in which they're limited. So what is the point of measuring yourself by someone else's moving goalposts? It's, it's just the silliest thing in the world. So, you know, in, in the end, I, I want to kind of um, segue into the next subject. One of the most important, I think, underrated skills, and this is something I talk about at great length um, under mental models and life skills, is managing expectations. Okay? Uh, why, why is this so important? Again, what, what is managing expectations? It's like, well, um, I'm going to be late by 10 minutes. That's yeah, that's managing expectations. You're saying, okay, I'm, um, I, I don't um, want to mess this up. But you know, I'm running late because of traffic. Okay, thank you. You know, maybe most people wouldn't do that. That's not the only way of managing expectations. It's not just saying, you know, I will under promise and over deliver because that's like, that's the most common, you know, kind of like sexy thing like over, you know, <laughs> under promise over deliver and you'll be fine. Like great consultant. All right. <laughs> it doesn't work like that within yourself right because again this conversation right we keep talking about this kind of ex internal and external internal external and you're you're kind of the filter in one direction and in the other if you think about it life is essentially one really really long conversation you know between yourself and, and your environment the people in it you know with god as well and with your body so these are these are all kind of uh vessels right these are your, your, you're kind of one vessel which processes l- language and psychology through through you, through your head, through your body, with God and with other people, right? So there's these, these kind of cycles that always go on in your life, no matter where you are, what culture, what language, what profession. None of these things matter. You're kind of like that the constant uh, purveyor, purveyor of this flow. Okay, So why is managing expectations important? Because for yourself, one of the places where most people suffer especially higher intelligent uh, like more more highly intelligent people and people that are more accomplished they always you know feel imposter syndrome and like well i expected to win the nobel prize or you know what if i don't make it to carnegie hall i'm nothing cuz they come from parents maybe that are immigrants that had huge expectations like if you're not a doctor lawyer or financier who the hell are you right and it's it's unfortunate but it's also You know, parents that go through their own trauma, maybe they went through dictatorship back home, they went through discrimination, repression, terrible, terrible stuff, right? So all of us, unfortunately, we have our blocks, we have our ways where we're we're flowing. So again, one of the reasons for managing expectations is to create better flow. So you're not burdened by saying, well, who am I, what am I, you know, I didn't make it to Carnegie Hall, I didn't win a Nobel Prize, so I must be worthless. No, it's just you haven't found your mission. So whatever your mission is, sexy, not sexy, highly compensated, not highly compensated, do you have clarity about yourself, right? Do you have meaning in your life? Are you making impact with every little action toward your mission, toward fulfilling it? And success is almost, almost you know, it's a byproduct. It's a byproduct of doing those things, right? Seeking clarity in your life. Creating meaning, showing impact through your work, and also, yes, through your words and your actions. Right. If nothing else, if you have absolutely nothing in this world, okay, you're you're somewhere in in you know the slum of the slums, and you have not a penny to rub against another, and you have no family, you're a nothing and a nobody in, in nowhere land. Okay? You can always control three things. Always, no matter who you are, what your ability. Thoughts, speech and action, okay? Those are three things you can always, always, always control. Can't control your genetics, can't control a lot of things, but if if you're able to control your thoughts, speech, and actions, you're way ahead of most other people, even that are much more sophisticated and rich and well-developed. So managing expectations internally is usually much harder because let's say you're a millennial and you you know you're growing up in the uh, greatest most privileged generation of all time and like oh what's a what's a recession <laughs> what's another recession ah you should be doing well come on where you know where is your six figure paycheck by 30 where is your you know uh Suburban house with a two-car garage and 2.1 kids and, and whatever in suburban uh, Westchester County. Like, come on, get with it. And you've, you internalize that, right? And you, again, you speak your, to yourself like, I'm, like but, but I'm, I'm not performing. I'm not performing. Like I, yeah, that, that, that's, that's not an excuse. Like I, I, you know, you beat your chest. And who am I? What am I? And you fall behind. Instead of focusing on building yourself up, you're tearing yourself down. So expectations are a huge thing in both directions. What you expect of other people. I I strongly believe that you should expect nothing, zero of other people except for of course by contract, by law or by ethics. Okay? By social contract. Those things are very important. And yes, you have to expect, you know, if, if you sign a contract, you're going to do what you say, otherwise we go to court or arbitration (laughs) um otherwise you know if if you live in a religious community and everyone agrees that okay we go to religious court if there's a dispute fine okay go to religious court but we have a clear way of resolving the dispute and then managing expectations of yourself you should not expect that you know i'm going to live up to my aspirations you probably won't and that's probably a good thing that's a healthy thing because if your aspirations are to you know check boxes and, and reach certain income levels and whatever that's not that's not the real thing your aspiration should be to be the best person and the best professional and and just the best human you can be and yes to achieve impact and and to have the the best kind of positive effect on the world in your 120 years on this earth right whatever your channel is whatever value you add that's up to you but that's that's what i think is the meaning of life where we're getting closer there. And then you kind of, you go 360 degrees around yourself. What do I expect of myself? Well, okay. I mean, I'll, I'll do my best to have high standards and to live up to them and to train myself to raise my standards, but I'm not going to try to live up to my aspirations because that's, that's not realistic and it just harms me. What do I expect of other people? Nothing. You know what? I'm going to always be positively surprised when someone is nice to me, when, you know, someone uh, does something good for me without asking anything in return. It restores your faith in humanity when you expect nothing, again, except by, you know, by law contract or social contract. Okay. And then what, what others expect of you? What do I care? I don't care. What do they expect of me? I mean, okay, if it's my wife, yeah, she has a voice hundred percent, but you know, with my kids, yeah, I mean, I, I got to provide for them. But other than that, uh, sorry, I'm not in the business of satisfying your expectations, buddy. So it's good to set, set those things where they should be, not where someone else thinks they should be.
0: Yeah, and it, it makes a lot of sense the way that you describe it because essentially what you're saying is that when we go through this uh, introspective process, we're going to get clarity on what we really want. And then we're going to recognize that oftentimes there's a discrepancy between what we want and what society or our family or whoever it else it is says that we should want. And then once we get that clarity, we put ourselves in a position where number one, from a negotiation perspective, we can actually meaningfully negotiate for what we really want in a and and if we were to win, we were actually get the satisfaction that we truly want. Um, and then number two, we're not going to have unhealthy expectations and we're not going to live a life of perpetual disappointment. Yes. And so with the time we have left again, I want you to remind the, the listeners about your book and where you, they can learn more about the, the writing that you do. Sure.
1: Um, so the book is called be your own commander in chief. Um, it's up on Amazon in ebook form. It'll be out in probably early to mid June in hardcover form. And, uh, it's going to be just fair warning. It's going to be a monster. It's 850 pages, but wow. there's a reason for that. My, I fought with my developmental editor like hell. She said, no, make it a series, make it three, four I said, absolutely not. There's nothing that I've found that does horizontal integration across all these subjects. That for me is the one thing that I've always been missing since I was a kid. I can read a thousand books on self-help and, you know, could be negotiation. It could be, uh, acing interviews, career help, business help, but context, like what, what is all this for? How, how, how do I use not, not just a map or a roadmap, but a philosophy? How, how, how do I, you know, how do I organize my life with some kind of organizing principles? Right. And then everything goes from there. If I have that picture of, who am I? What am I? Where am I going? Whom am I helping? What, what is, is kind of my energetic profile through which I can add value and impact to the world? If I know those things, I mean, my God, look out, right? And that's, that's what I think is, is missing. There's, there's a lot of advice, a ton of listicles, a million books about vertical subjects, but very few to any, except, of course, more ancient wisdom and, and philosophies from our forebears. That actually integrate these things. Maybe it's crazy. Maybe maybe I'm a totally crazy guy who just had this crazy idea and just wants to teach us kids. If nothing else, hopefully my kids read this right when they're grown up. But that's that's why I wrote it because I really felt that someone needs to combine science. So. I'm not pulling this out of my ear, right? I'm trying to come come from some kind of um, scientific studies, some kind of established principles, something that's not, not just my impressions. And it's not something that's, you know, uh, very cynical about human nature, because I, I don't think, you know, we don't need to be cynical about things. It's not rah, 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 you know, kumbaya. It's, it's saying, look, you know, life is very complicated. I'm not trying to teach anybody you know, what to think, God forbid, because I sure as hell never took that from anybody. I'm just trying to, you know, teach people how how to think, how do you approach life, right, through very meaningful, thoughtful ways. Some people relate to quotes. Some people relate to, you know, my stories. I got some crazy stories, God knows. You know, and then some people are very big on 80-20. Just give me the download, you know, 10 steps to set up my time management, right? Other people are very big on, no, 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 I want to go deep into the subject before I pull the trigger on these software tools. Fine, God bless, go. All of that is in there. That's, that's what I found to be the 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 best approach to behavioral change. You have to start with language and psychology. That's the lowest common denominator.
0: I love it. Well, Yuri, my friend, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your wisdom, and um, best of luck with the book. We'll put the, the link in the description, too. Thank you so much for having me on, Kwame.
1: Really a pleasure to speak with you.
0: Congratulations. You've just joined an elite club. By listening to a full episode, you're now officially on the Negotiate Anything team. So welcome aboard.